Welcome to the Life 21 Church Podcast. Thanks for joining with us today as we explore the Gospel of Matthew. We pray that as you listen, you would come to more fully understand the answer to this age-old question, who is this Jesus? Today in Matthew, these are some of my favorite words from Jesus. This Sermon on the Mount that we're in the middle of now was Jesus's first documented sermon. And what's so beautiful about it is that he so perfectly reveals God as a father, the father's heart, the father's ways, the father's plans, the father's blessings. And today we're going to hear how Jesus invites us to communicate with God as a father. Starting in verse 9, Jesus continues on after teaching them about self-righteousness and how to not do things just to please people. He transitions in verse 9 to say, This then is how you should pray. Such a famous prayer here. This is the Lord's Prayer. It's been echoed for 2,000 years by millions upon millions of believers. And these are the precious words of Jesus. He says that we should pray like this. Our Father who's in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to pause us there. These opening lines are so stunning. They're so simple and it's so easy with all of Jesus's words to miss the depth of what he was speaking. Jesus was so perfectly God, so perfectly man, so in tune with God as a father that every word he ever spoke was the best word that could ever be articulated in that moment and even the best ordering of words that could be articulated in that moment. It says in the prophets that his lips were so anointed with grace that he was stunning in his character, perfect in his speech, And when he begins saying, this is how we should pray, our Father in heaven, this sets the foundation for all communication for believers around the world from when Jesus came till now, and it was begin your communication with God as a Father. This is so beautiful that Jesus invites us not only to recognize God as a father, but by him phrasing our father in heaven, he's actually identifying his followers, those who are willing to receive this, he's identifying them as fellow siblings. What a beautifully empowering phrase that by Jesus, by the father's work and his kingdom coming into our lives We become re-identified with God as our Father and us as his children. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know that this earth is not going as God desired. Your life, your finances, your relationships, every dimension of your life has a part of it that's going outside or you're experiencing something outside of God's will for you. God did not design us for sin, though he gave us an opportunity to be able to choose him or to not choose him. God is constantly fathering from heaven 
And he's constantly inviting us in to agree with his best for myself, for you, for all of us, and for others. And the starting point, the first way and the starting point that we agree with his perfect will is through prayer, followed by action, but it starts with prayer. So Jesus invites us saying, disciples, pray that his kingdom would come. His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know that the kingdom will come at the fullness of time when Jesus comes back to rule the heavens and the earth in a response to millions and billions of prayers that are being stored up in the heavenly realms that one time when they're fully responded to, he will come. And yet we know before he comes, there's a whole lot of his kingdom and his will that he wants to bring to your earth, to your spheres of influence, to your day-to-day If you'll simply approach him as a father and as a child, ask, Dad, would you do this for me? Father, would you bring healing in this? God, would you touch this area of my life? Now, what does the kingdom come and the will of God being done look like? Jesus kind of breaks it down in the next half of the Lord's Prayer. He follows saying, give us today our daily bread. So one of the things that we want to ask our Father for In the United States, it feels kind of weird to even ask him because we have so much physical provision. But throughout history, for people to have their daily physical needs met of food, shelter, clothing, all of that, yes, but he kind of highlights the food dimension. Give us today our daily bread. This is so significant. This is Jesus reminding us that any daily reoccurring need is not outside of God's desire to hear and respond to. For me, there are certain daily needs for joy. And sometimes I feel like, man, I'm asking God for joy like all day long. What's amazing, he loves to pour it all day long. So be encouraged, whether you're asking him for physical things or spiritual things, whatever it is, don't be afraid to ask him daily, moment by moment, week by week. He loves that consistency of conversation when we're relating to him, not as some distant God in heaven, but our Father in heaven. What else does the kingdom look like? When we have our physical needs met, what other needs do we have? Verse 12 says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. One of the greatest weapons of the evil one, if not the greatest weapon that Satan has, is unforgiveness. When we do not forgive people, it's literally like we're starving ourselves It's an actual depriving ourselves of the grace of God. It says, forgive us, God, our debts as we forgive those who sinned against us. We'll talk about that later, just in the next verse here. Jesus continues and says, and pray this, that you would not be led into temptation, but you would be delivered from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In this prayer, Jesus is showing that though there is a kingdom with a king seated in the highest heaven, because earth has been given to man and man has chosen to follow Satan, Satan has been given a premier spot as the evil one to lead us into temptation, to cause our physical food supplies in different nations and in our own nation at times to be hindered by greed, by fear. He's the one that leads us towards holding unforgiveness towards one another. 
And so Jesus says, in this fallen world, your father wants you to be whole and healthy, but there is an evil one that you and others and all of creation has given access to, and there is a leading away from his influence that your father wants to do. So today I encourage you, even as you're listening in, that you would ask that God would take you far from the influence of this evil one so that all the other prayers above could be yours in their fullness as his influence is broken. And Jesus, of course, wants to remind us in the conclusion of that prayer, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Whenever Jesus references the evil one, he also wants to put it all in context. The evil one, Satan, and all of our current sins are so temporary and so quickly passing that he reminds us that the kingdom and the power and the glory are truly God's forever. And even when they're resisted in part in this age and you and I miss out on the glory, we miss out on the power, we miss out on all these things the Father in heaven is saying, come, 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 I want to give these to you. We can be reminded that one day, finally, all of that will be Jesus's. The evil one will be destroyed. We will experience full forgiveness and not lacking any food, any provision as we rule and reign on the earth. So let these prayer, these prayer points, these, this prayer in and of itself, let it be yours in such a deep way as Jesus, the perfect prayer, gives you a window into how he prays. He continues on to clarify one of the prayer points because he knows that this one is so important. Verse 14 says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is such a stark contrast to the seeming mercy of God but it in fact is the mercy of God to communicate his boundaries and our design. He is a just God, and so he does repay us for our sins, and we are designed to be in in an accountable relationship to him where our sins are punished. But here's the thing, even though he's perfectly just, He delights in showing mercy, and his mercy triumphs over judgment, another scripture writer says. Now, the thing is, is that as his mercy is desiring to triumph over judgment, we have a role in that. In our own hearts, unforgiveness is like a bridge that's been destroyed. It's like a roadway from heaven where God wants to release mercy and grace to us. But when we hold unforgiveness towards others, we not only cut back grace from our lives towards the person, we actually destroy the bridge from us to God. God's grace and mercy cannot intermix and land on our hearts in an experiential way without us also releasing and passing it on to others. As Jesus speaks about prayer, he encourages you, don't be backed up. Don't be locked away from the works of God, the love of God by unforgiveness. And even our prayer prompt today that you see in the podcast description is this, Jesus, who have I not fully forgiven and how do you want to help me do that? Every time I ask Jesus about this, there's another layer of forgiveness that God's often taking me into, another person that I haven't fully released and given grace to. And as he highlights that person and that memory and I speak out forgiveness, 
I'm positioned to take a fresh breath and a deeper drink of the unlimited forgiveness that God gives to me. May you drink that in today. The last portion of our reading, Jesus switches to fasting. He highlighted that forgiveness is foundational to prayer. Fasting is another foundational piece to prayer. Verse 16 through 18 says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show off, to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. As we really realize that God gives us daily bread in the Lord's Prayer, we recognize that fasting, from a biblical perspective, humbles our soul and causes us, even as we physically don't have food, it causes us to recognize that without God's creative work to, to uh, make manifest food, we wouldn't live. And in the same way, without God giving us spiritual food, we're dying on the inside. So today, may you be encouraged to consider fasting. May you recognize that even if no one else sees it and it feels completely pointless, the Father promises that there's rewards to fasting when you do it for Him and for His glory. And this will position you to have a hunger, not only physically, but a hunger that works into your soul that begins to seek your Father out day by day for all He has and all He wants for you. Thanks for joining with us today. May God continue to reveal to you by His Spirit who indeed is this Jesus.